everybody, as we are recording this live um, for Monday's Marvelous Motivating Monday on a rainy Monday on December 14th, we have breaking news of the first person in America to receive the vaccine for the COVID virus. It's live on MSNBC and the governor of New York City is live talking to the patient. It is an African-American young lady who is a nurse in New York. And she is also having an African-American female doctor administer the vaccine to her. So I wanted to record it live so I can do the breaking story before you hear my actual episode, which is regarding African-Americans' distrust with the medical community. So, of course, hesitation about getting the vaccine. So I want you guys to listen to this breaking news first. Queens, and as you know, Queens was the epicenter of the COVID issue back a number of months ago. This is where it hit the hardest. And this facility, Long Island Jewish, was right at the center. And here at Northwell, uh, you know, we've seen well over 100,000 COVID patients. And at one point back in uh, April, we had over 3,500 patients in our hospitals. And as you said, we are the largest health system in New York, and uh, we are very, very proud of our frontline staff, and of course, of the frontline staff of all of the, and all of the hospitals and all of the facilities across the region, did spectacular work, and as you said, they are the real heroes. Uh, so uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, with Sandra and Dr. Chester, and I don't think we need to delay any further, uh, because this is a special moment, a special day. This is what everybody has been waiting for, uh, to be able to give the vaccine and to hopefully uh, see this is the, the beginning of the end of the COVID issue. But I just would like to say something, though, that just because we're giving out the vaccine is no excuse for the public out there not to continue wearing masks, not to social distance, etc. You have to continue to comply with safety standards, even though the vaccine is going to be distributed over the next couple of months. You have to do both if we're going to be successful here, as you know very well. So again, Governor, we thank you. Thank you for your extraordinary leadership. And with that, let me um, turn it over to Dr. Chester and then um, and with, uh, with Sandra here. Oops, Sandra is a critical care nurse has been on the front lines all during the, the crisis, um, is a director in critical care. She has seen a lot, and uh, uh, she's on very, very happy to be here to receive uh, the vaccine. And Dr. Chester is a director of our employee health services. So with that, Dr. Chester, we'll turn it over to you.
uh, it's going to take months before the vaccine hits critical mass. So this is the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a long tunnel. And we need people to continue to be do the right thing and the smart thing all through the holiday season. Uh, and uh, hopefully when we get to about June, they estimate the, the vaccine can hit critical mass. But the healthcare workers will get it first because we know that uh, you're super stressed during this holiday season. So God bless you. I'm going to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for what you do. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows how brave you are and skilled and talented and selfless. When they use the word heroes, we don't mean that lightly. We mean it deeply and sincerely. What you do, showing up every day, you really are heroes. And we wish you and your families a blessed holiday season. Michael Dallas, thank you very much for your leadership once again, my friend. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Gov, and uh, we will beat this. We will win. Thank you. When my thank time you. comes, when my time comes, I'm on Dr. Chester. I like her style. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. I'm actually excited about doing this episode today because equipment... I got my professional podcast equipment back up and running for the last 20 episodes. It just was not agreeing with my Windows 10, and I was already warned that the uh, mixing and all the equipment I have sometimes is not agreeing. So I hope this sounds a lot better. I have my professional microphone and filter, so I'm excited. But anyway, today is Marvelous Motivating Monday. And what I want to talk about today is the coronavirus vaccine and the hesitation of the African-American community, especially, but also people of color. I know the Latino community is feeling the same way about taking the virus. So I saw a lot going on this weekend with African-American people in the industry, uh, not only being part of the test trial, but actually taking the vaccine. And then I also, during research, found out something that there was actually a person here in Georgia way back in July who was, uh, she's an anchor woman, and I'll talk about it, about her at the end of this episode, that I was on the front line <laughs> long before we knew. But I was listening to a couple of people, and I want to talk about in general, for those who are unaware of the African-American community in the medical field, uh, not having that trust. So what I did is I went to the American Medical Association website, and I want to just read something because I thought it was interesting they actually had something addressing this on their uh, website. So the American Medical Association was founded in 1847. Now, if you know anything about American history, guess what was happening in 1847? So keep that in mind. Well, they had an article uh, on their website that was talking about the history of African Americans and the organized and organized medicine. So I want to read some of that to you. It's saying segregation and racism within the medical profession have and continue to profoundly impact the African-American community. 
Yet the complex history of race in the medical profession is rarely acknowledged and often misunderstood. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to even talk about this. So I'm glad that they acknowledge that. So the American Medical Association is abbreviated AMA. So I don't have to keep saying that. <laughs> I'm going to say AMA, and that's what I'm referencing, okay? The AMA Institute for Ethics invited a panel of experts to review and analyze the historical roots of the black-white divide in American medicine. Now, that's kind of sad, but once again, remember, all this was founded in 1847. And it says the following is a summary of the panel's finding along with other resources. Check this out. In 1989, the AMA's Council of Ethical and Judicial, see, legal's always involved, affairs issued a report entitled Black-White Disparities in Healthcare. Now, I didn't pull it up. The PDF was there where I could pull it up, but I didn't pull it up. But I want you guys to just start thinking about things. When you're not sure, go do some research. And it said it framed the inequitable provision of medical care according to race as an ethical problem. Now, this was in 1989. Think about that. We're talking about 31 years later, and we're still at that same point. If not, we may even be worse. The AMA also initiated an independent review to provide candid and critical comments that would assist the writing group in making it, its published report as sound as possible and to ensure that the report met the institution excuse me, the Institute for Ethics Standards for Objectivity, Evidence, see, evidence is important, not just someone saying it, proving it, and responsiveness to the study charge. Now, here's an interesting thing. The AMA <laughs> makes an apology to the National Medical Association. For more than 100 years, the AMA actively reinforced or passively accepted racial inequalities and exclusion of African-American physicians. In an address to the National Medical Association annual meeting in Atlanta on July 30th, 2008, Ronald M. Davis, MD, who was then AMA's immediate past president, he apologized for more than a century of AMA policies that excluded African-Americans from the AMA, in addition to policies that also barred them from some state and local medical societies. He pledged that they would do everything in their power to right the wrongs that were done by our organization, well, their organization, to African-American physicians and their families and their patients. And the reason why I wanted to read that is because obviously physicians, doctors, whatever you want to call them, were not even getting 
asked about their opinion about what was happening in science and medicine and things that were affecting our community specifically. And the reason why I wanted to mention this because right now with all the vaccines going uh, that are available, and there's more than just Pfizer and Moderna, but Dr. Fauci wanted to make it very clear he wanted people to know that one of the lead scientists who developed the COVID-19 vaccine is an African-American woman. And the thing that's so amazing about this young lady, she's only 34 years old. Her name is Dr. Kizmika Corbett. She likes to go by Kizzy. And I want you guys to really listen to what he is saying and I'm going to quote some of the stuff that he said on CNN and on Wednesday I decided because there's so much uh, that I found with this young lady she's only 34 years old she did a podcast a podcast episode with Anderson Cooper and uh, the doctor that's always on there and I really want you guys to focus on what she was telling them on this CNN uh, podcast episode. So what I'm going to do as far as Dr. Corbett is concerned, I'm going to do a wonderful Women Wednesday on her, and it will be this upcoming Wednesday, because I want you all to just hear in her own words, you know, her background and why she's where she is at this time. But I just want to read some of the stuff that Dr. Fauci was saying. And, you know, Dr. Fauci, he's urging African-Americans who hesitate to take the COVID-19 vaccine to trust the process. And in part because, as he said, (laughs) one of the scientists on the forefront is also African-American. You know, he was speaking to the National Urban League earlier last week, and he said it was important to acknowledge the U.S. history of racism and medical research and understand how that has fostered mistrust among a lot of black people. He stressed, though, that the upcoming COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective, and he made it clear once again that an African-American scientist has been involved in the development. He quotes, the very vaccine that's one of the two that has absolutely exquisite levels, 94 to 95% efficiency against clinical disease and almost 100% efficiency against serious disease that are shown to be clearly safe. The vaccine was actually developed by my institute's vaccine research center by a team of scientists. And as I said, Kizzy Corbett, he makes it clear who she is. She's only 34 years old. And I am going to do an episode on her on Wednesday. I apologize. I'm excited. I got the new equipment. I don't know how to act. I'm sorry. You know, a study released to the COVID-19 collaborative, the NAACP and the UNIDES U.S. found that only 14% of 
of black Americans trust that a vaccine will be safe and 18% trust it will be effective. Of course, their concerns stem largely from the history of racism in medical research and healthcare that includes incidents like, of course, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Now, I was watching CNN, and there was a correspondent named Stephanie Elam, E-L-A-M, I may be mispronouncing it, and she was reporting that she volunteered to be a part of the trial. I want you, she has a mask on, so her volume of uh, communication isn't as clear as it should be, but she's wearing a mask, but she did a whole live episode about why she was going to do it. And this is what she says when she uh, posted it. I was actually watching it, but when she posted I went on CNN.com to see if I could find it. I actually watched the whole thing, but there's just a partial part of it, this audio that you'll be able to hear. But I want to read what she said. She said, I'm not just reporting on this phase three. It was phase three of it. Uh, randomized COVID-19 vaccine trial at ARC Clinical Research in Long Beach, California. I'm also participating in this study, which is on behalf of Janssen Vaccines and Prevention. And this is a unit of Johnson & Johnson. You know, we keep talking about Pfizer and Moderna, but there's other companies out there too. And this one she's actually uh, doing is Johnson & Johnson. But she says she signs up for these trials. She, she feels that signing up for these trials are key. It's a large part of the reason why she wanted to volunteer for this COVID-19 vaccine research. More black people and more people of color need to be part of these trials so more, divi- more diverse populations can reap the benefits of this medical research. She go on and says, I believe in science and I hope my decision to join a trial and my transparency about the process will help more people trust today's medicine. Traditionally, vaccine trials have lacked diversity, and Dr. Fauci also says that. America's history of unethical, as we know, medical studies on people of color has led to generations of fear. And then, of course, she also notes the Tuskegee experiment that began in the 1930s. And, you know, I want you guys to just listen to what she says. And like I said, it's kind of muffled because she's wearing a mask. But I'm not saying what you should or should not do. Because I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I'm ready for that. But I am glad that people like Stephanie are bold enough to go on and do it. And she does it publicly. So I want you guys to listen to what she says, if you can understand what she's saying. Everyone in this office is here in the pursuit of science. Hopefully I'll develop immunity over the next few weeks. ARC Clinical Research will administer shots to about 200 people, part of a randomized COVID-19 vaccine trial for Johnson & Johnson. I think that enough is known that I'm very comfortable with, uh, with getting the injection. But not everyone is especially since trials have been sped up to battle a coronavirus crisis that's out of control. Nationwide, 
Some 40,000 people are taking part in this trial. Is pretty normal? Including me. I'm not just reporting on this phase three COVID-19 vaccine trial. I'm part of it. I wanted to do this because I wanted to see how the science worked. And I wanted other black people, other people of color, to see someone like them going through this process. Generally, it's important that you study people from many different diverse backgrounds because you can have a different side effect profile or you can have um, different dose levels if it's a drug. What the United States government did was shameful, and I am sorry. Yet America's history of unethical medical studies on people of color has led to generations of fear. Most notably, the abhorrent, decades-long Tuskegee experiment that began in the 1930s. It was designed to study untreated syphilis in hundreds of black men without their consent. What do you hear from people from those demographics that are more hesitant? Rather than thinking of this as an opportunity to get access to a new therapy earlier, there's more suspicion that this could be an unsafe program. So there is definitely fear. But not all are fearful. Uh, 22-year-old Conrado Perez is waiting for his shot. I know a lot of people, like, within my ethnicity would be, I guess, skeptical of it. But me, not really. I've signed the paperwork, and they've asked me all the things that they need to know about my personal health. And I've had my blood drawn, and I've been shown what I'm taking home with me and how that technology is going to work and how I'm going to update them about any symptoms, any feelings that I have after I get the vaccine. All that's left is to get the needle in my arm. I don't know whether or not I'm going to get the placebo or the real vaccine. In fact, no one here knows what I'm going to get. It's all decided by a computer someplace else. And even though some vaccines are further along in the approval process, America still needs more doses to cover the population. And there's great interest in candidates like this one from Johnson & Johnson. For one thing, it's just one shot, unlike the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. It does get shipped to us frozen in just a regular freezer um, setting. And then we're allowed to store in the refrigerator for about 28 days. Storage lesson aside, Nurse Princess is here to give me my shot. It felt like getting a flu shot, but now I've got I've got to sit here and wait for 30 minutes to make sure that there's no adverse effects right away. But I am still feeling really solid about my decision to do this. All right, no injection site reaction. Okay. And hopefully, hopefully, this will get other people out there to trust science and to believe in science and medicine and how hard these people work. Now I know that. A lot of people are um, skeptical. And I was glad that this lady, she is actually a correspondent for CNN, and she decided to volunteer to do this live so people could see her. But I found out when I was doing this research in July of 2020, July 28th, CNN reporters Jacqueline Howard and Elizabeth Cohen, they reported... Um, a woman from an anchor woman named Dawn Baker was literally uh, <laughs> the first person that was participating in phase three trial of the COVID vaccine. And I never, I'm in Georgia and I never heard anything about her. 
you know, they're, they're showing her, and I'm going to let you listen to her. And, you know, she said that she really never thought that she'd do something like this. But she decided, she said she was a little bit nervous, but really excited. And she knew that she would be making history. Now, she's a anchor woman on CNN affiliate WTOC in Savannah, Georgia. And she technically became the first volunteer to receive an injection in the first phase, excuse me, the first phase three clinical trial of the coronavirus vaccine in the United States. See, I didn't know nothing about this, and this is in Georgia. And so she's quoted as saying why she did it. She said the many lives lost and impacted by the coronavirus pandemic, it inspired her to volunteer. She said this is really to me, very empowering that I could be the person who could help save some lives. It's been very heartbreaking to hear about people who've lost their their lives because of this. And so, you know, she, she just told the CNN reporter what she was thinking. So I want you guys, her name is Dawn Baker, and I want you guys to listen to what she's saying. Baker usually delivers the news. But Monday morning, this television anchor in Savannah, Georgia, made news, made history as the first person in the United States to participate in a phase three clinical trial for a vaccine against COVID-19. Big day. Certainly is. It's really exciting to me that I could be a part of saving lives eventually, instead of just being scared and praying. After Don's injection, study leader Dr. Paul Bradley called Moderna, the company that makes the vaccine. Donna, I have amazing news. We dosed the first patient. The National Institutes of Health is collaborating on the trial. Dr. Anthony Fauci marked the day on a call with the media. I can tell you absolutely the first one was at 6.45 this morning in Savannah, Georgia. Indeed, we are participating today in the launching of a truly historic event in the history of vaccinology. There are nearly 90 study sites across the country for this vaccine, and phase three trials are underway for four other vaccines, three of those in China and one in the United Kingdom. Hi, how are you? Scientists hope the results of Moderna's trial will be clear in a few months and a vaccine on the market by the end of this year or the beginning of next. But that's if the vaccine is proven safe and effective, which is not a given. Let me explain how the Moderna vaccine trial works. This is the vaccine, and about 15,000 people nationwide will get injected with this during the clinical trial. Now, this looks similar to the vaccine, but actually it's a placebo. It doesn't do anything. It's just saline. And another 15,000 people will be injected with this. And then afterwards, doctors will compare who gets sick with COVID-19 and who doesn't. Doctors are recruiting study subjects who live in communities where they're most likely to get COVID so they can see if the vaccine truly works. We want people who are going to be uh, exposed out there in the community, um, living uh, their lives, whether um, they're, say, a healthcare worker, where unfortunately we get exposed frequently, um, maybe they're working in a grocery store, um, but we want people that are unfortunately at risk. That's why doctors are recruiting heavily among the African-American and Latino communities where COVID rates are especially high. But it's a challenge because historically those communities have been abused in medical research. Very suspicious. So maybe, you know, since um, 
I was uh, at least bold enough to come forward right now. That might change that. Coming forward to play a part in ending a pandemic that has brought the world to its knees. You are the first person in the United States to get a shot in a phase three COVID trial. What does that feel like? It is very exciting. Um, I'm very anxious about it. I just hope that they're really, really good at good results. Um, I know a lot of people are doing a lot of different vaccine trials and things are going on, but um, I, I, number one, I feel so proud. Elizabeth Cohen. Now, keep in mind, that was the first woman. And as I mentioned, I had no clue about this, and I'm right here in Georgia. So I'm kind of surprised I didn't hear about this. But, you know, I want you guys to just think about it. I don't know what the answer is. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't say anything one way or another because I'm I'm skeptical too. But I'm glad that a lot of African-Americans in the industry, whether they're um, anchor women to be public figures or doctors who are part of the scientists of it, but they're trying to get a little more trust. And when you hear what Dr. Kizzy Corbett says on Wednesday, what her goal is for the scientists to earn, and she does make it clear, she's African-American too, and the medical and science industry has to earn the trust of African-Americans when it comes to anything and to use this platform to make sure we can get more equality when it comes to anything medical, not just when it's a pandemic, but just treatment in general. And it's really profound of what she says. So I hope you guys tune in Wednesday and listen to her because she really and truly is uh, someone that we can be proud of. And I'm so excited that she is working on this. And I'm going to do a whole episode on Wednesday. She will be our Wonderful Women Wednesday episode. So you can find out about this amazing 34-year-old African-American scientist doctor who is working with Dr. Fauci. And she is going to be uh, in the forefront of all these vaccines. And keep in mind now, the UK already administered theirs. And we got uh, Pfizer and Moderna, which are... Moderna, which are the two names you're hearing the most, but as you just heard from the CNN correspondents, she's also doing the Johnson & Johnson trial. So there's a couple companies out there. So I guess the best part about all of this is something is better than nothing, and they're working very hard to try to get us back to where we can get a little more socialized. Um, it's going to take a minute. I heard they're going to take uh, stages, of course. And of course, we want all the essential workers to get the vaccine first, but we want to make sure that these vaccines are what they're supposed to be. And hopefully some of these people that are speaking up publicly that are part of this whole thing is being transparent. Let's just hope transparency stays that way. The good part is we have an administration right now that is more focused on uh, turning over an election and has not ever, to my knowledge, really mentioned the deaths of uh, Americans that was caused by this virus. So their priorities and all the Republicans, and I am going to say all because they're allowing this to be the priority right now, trying to re overturn the election. 
while these Americans of all races and both Republican, Democrat, Independent, and non-voters, legal, illegal, white, black, Asian, Latin, Japanese, I mean, well, that's Asian, but I mean, it doesn't even matter. Everyone's dying, you know, and it's really kind of sad that you, you know, you have a basic request of wearing a mask and social distancing. And that's just something that people are just not, everybody's not willing to do. And it's such a minor request. If it can save lives, I think everyone should really, really do it. I'm going to continue to push wearing masks and social distancing. And just because we're going to have a vaccine that is going to be slowly uh, given to us, doesn't mean, okay, okay, I can go out and act crazy because I can be cured. Please don't think that because uh, from what we're seeing, it's not taking long for a lot of people to actually die from it. Everybody doesn't die, of course, but a lot of people are dying. Not that I mean, they're not like dying a year later. They're dying right away. So let's just don't even put ourselves in that category. Let's don't even think about this. Let's just look at what we can do to stay safe until the vaccine comes our way, if we're willing to take it. But I wanted to bring these two episodes. Like I said, I'm going to do the one on Wednesday regarding the doctor that is on the forefront with Dr. Fauci and getting this vaccine out safely and being transparent. But these two anchor women, one from CNN and one from in Georgia, WTOC, we got to say bravo to these two uh, African American women because that not only did they do it on live TV so we could see the transparency of it, they admitted they were nervous, but they're trying to get other African Americans more comfortable in considering it. You know, I will consider it, but you know, it was funny. I was watching something earlier and there was a woman, and I actually have the audio, but I am. I'm I'm not going to play it. She was talking about how she really and truly would only take it if she was forced to take it. And um, I want to play something that I I, I recorded today on Face the Nation regarding this. To make sure that the side effects of everything is okay. So you want to wait. Um, Jill... For you, um, and I know you've already said, uh, as a healthcare worker, you would arguably be one of the first in line, but you're you're skeptical of this. I love the job that I have. If it's required for me to keep that job to have the vaccine, it's done. I'll roll up my sleeve tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. would I willingly do it? No, but if it's what you know it would take, then I mean, of course I will. You know. Because there's some things that are mandatory for us and we don't have a choice as healthcare workers. You do what you have to do, but I wouldn't go stand in line and sign up for it, you know, just to just to volunteer for it. Absolutely mm-hmm. Now see those are healthcare workers, African American healthcare workers that was on Face the Nation today. I mean, excuse me, on Sunday. And I just wanted to play that because a lot of people were feeling that way. Uh, like she made it clear she loved her job as a healthcare worker. And if it was required, she wouldn't have not even an issue at all. But she's not going to volunteer to do it because if it's not required. And I think that's where a lot of us are. And these people that are publicly showing that they're getting it, they're doing part of the trial, and so far everything's okay, I want to say bravo to them. I'm not telling anybody to take it. I'm not even sure if I'll take it, but... 
I think there's going to be a lot of people in that situation that this young lady just mentioned that may be required to take it to keep their jobs. And I don't know about your situation, and I hate to say it, but if that's the only way I could keep my job, I think I'd be right in line just like that young lady said. So these are just things. I'm just putting information out there. I'm not requesting that you do anything or suggesting that you do anything. I just want to put the information out there because I want us to know what's happening and how it affects our community. So listen to the episode on Wonderful Women Wednesday. We are going to celebrate and talk to talk about Dr. Corbett, the 34-year-old African-American who is on the forefront with Dr. Fauci regarding this vaccine. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I ask that you Follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. And you can give us a call with any questions or comments you may have at 404-855-7723. You can always send us an email at podcasthost, shaypate19 at gmail.com. And you know I like to end all my episodes with the question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.